Welcome to King of Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message by Pastor Sam Fine. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. Well, I, um, I started a series last week on um, how from our hearts really flow the issues of life. All that we deal with and process and go through all comes through our hearts, and it's so important that we guard our hearts. And last week I spoke about judgments. When we judge to the measure that we judged, it will be measured back to us. It's kind of like a boomerang. You throw out a judgment, you throw it out there, and lo and behold, that thing just has an ability to come back around and hit you right back in the head. So it's something that's very important that we guard our hearts from judging one another. And uh, if you didn't weren't here last week... Um, Take the opportunity to listen to the message online. Um, I said there was going to be kind of a two-part series. Last week was on judgments. Well, this week, I want to talk about living offense-free. And, you know, I think sometimes some of the greatest opportunities to get offended is on the way to church. Between husband and wife and with your children. And, you know, I mean, really some knockdown, drag-out fights happen in the car on the way to church. And then you walk through the door, and everybody's like, praise the Lord, you know, and like nothing ever happened, you know, and it's like, whoo, boy, that was a good one, and everybody's just happy. So it happens, you know, we get, we get offended, we get upset, we, we, you know, don't like, you know, maybe that our, our spouse is running late all the time, and we're like, hurry, 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 come on, get, it, get going, let's get in the car, you know, it, it happens. So, but Jesus makes it really clear that uh, we have got to really guard our hearts and watch over our hearts in this area. And so, uh, turn with me to John 11, verse 1. John 11, verse 1. I like that. Yeah. This is my favorite verse. John 11, verse 1. Do we have that? No? No? No scriptures. Yours starts at six. Okay, well, that's all right. Mine starts at one. So, all right. So when Jesus uh, finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And now when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one? Or shall we look for someone else? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, who does not take offense at me. I, th- I always thought that was a, a peculiar statement to say, right at the very end of all that he's saying that he's doing. Then he says, and blessed is he who he's addressing John, takes no offense at me. I think John was very aware of, of the coming one, the Messiah, being that he was the forerunner, making the way straight for the appearing of the Messiah, 
Jesus, he knew exactly what the Messiah was going to begin to do. And I don't really think at this moment that being that John is in prison, that he's getting upset or offended over the fact that, because it says that the crowds began to really come around Jesus more so than around John when he was baptizing down at the river. I don't think he was offended that the popularity and the people began to circle around Jesus more and more in his ministry, and it was growing, and John's was decreasing. Because why? John said this, I must decrease, and he must increase. So he knew that this was going to take place. But in this list of things that Jesus mentions about himself, that those would receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, there's one thing he leaves out. So let's look at what it is. Turn with me to Isaiah 42, verse 7. To open blind eyes, this is speaking of, Isaiah the prophet is speaking of, of the coming one. And he says, he will open the blind eyes, this is known as the suffering servant, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. Where's John right now? John's in prison. John's thinking, hmm, he's opening blind eyes. He's cleansed the lepers. But he's not setting me free from prison. And in the sovereign knowledge of, of Jesus, he decides that it's best that his servant stay in prison. And he's saying, blessed is he, the one who does not take an offense of me because of the decision I've made in allowing the one that I love, the one that he declared that born of a woman, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. But in his sovereign will and understanding of what was getting ready to take place, he knew it was best that he stay in prison. And he said, don't get offended that I'm not setting you free, although the scripture says in Isaiah that I will be setting prisoners free from dungeons. You know, there's times in life in which we can actually get offended at what God is doing in our lives and in other people's lives. We don't like it. We don't like the fact that maybe he delays over certain issues that we want answers for real quick. We don't like the fact that maybe at the moment we're not seeing the manifestation of our, of our financial needs being met. We're trusting the Lord, but it's not coming at the time in which we really want it. But it's in those moments that we have to really remind ourselves of who he is and that he's true to his word. And that he knows what is best for us in our own lives. The definition of an offense is, in the Greek word, it's scandalon, or where we get the word scandalous. Um, or it means entrapment, which actually means uh, it's like a, a trap stick or a bent sapling that you would bend down and then you would put like food at the base of it. So you would lure somebody into it, and then when they take the the food, 
you know, you, you get snared, and then all of a sudden you're hanging upside down because of a bent sapling. It's, it's a trap that the enemy sets to try to get a hook in you. And, I mean, this is more than just getting your feelings hurt. This is when there is a real conscious decision on in your heart that you have really made a decision that that person is beginning to be lowered in, in, in your esteem and in your understanding of who they are, you begin to devalue them in your mind. You begin to look at them lesser. And it's something that begins to take root in your heart. And when somebody has gotten offended, it really takes serious action to get set free. Matthew 24, verse 1 says this. Matthew 24, 1. Turn with me there. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? He's speaking of the last days. And what will be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? So his disciples are, are asking this question privately. They're sitting down. And I want us to kind of skip forward to verse 10. And these are the last days, and I believe that the days that we are in are the latter days. So this is going to be something that's going on in our lives right now that we have to be very careful of and we have to guard ourselves from because verse 10 says this. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another, and then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. I believe the key to making it to the end before the return of Christ is not to get offended. Offenses are everywhere. And offense is the very thing that Jesus is warning us that this is going to happen. It's not like something we can just choose to, well, I'm just not, I, offenses are never going to come near me. The truth is, Jesus is saying, they will come. But the issue is, how are you going to respond to the offenses when they come in your own personal life? You know, it sounds easy to not get offended, but you know, if, if you're like me, it is challenging at times. It's, it's a challenge and an effort, and it's a choice to not get offended in a situation. Because ultimately, when one is becoming offended, you're looking out after your own personal interests more than you are the other person. You're looking out after yourself and your own interests rather than the interest of others. And the only way that we cannot get offended is to walk with the heart of love towards 
others in our lives. Is to walk in love, and that is the key, it's the Teflon that helps you from getting offended with others. So I want to I wanna ask you something. I just want you to think about this. How do you know when you have become offended? What are some of the things that are going on inside of you when you've become offended? I think some of the w- ways in which I have experienced it is you begin to pull away. You begin to put up a shield around you. You begin to not want to communicate with that person. The person walks in the room, guess what you do? You go the other way. You walk away. But one of the things that is clear is that one, you know when you become offended because your love begins to grow cold. Your love just begins to grow cold. You don't have that love and feeling anymore. <laughs> you ain't got it. It's getting cold. And, and your heart grows cold. And in that, it, it affects your love for God, which then ultimately affects your love for others. And, and after you've taken an offense, it's like a slippery slope. It leads to your heart growing cold, and eventually, Scripture says, that there will be eventually a falling away. Those hearts that have grown so cold that they will fall away from the faith. And that's why Jesus is addressing this in Matthew 24. He's saying this is a very serious issue. And who is he addressing it to? Well, when it says that that, that the love of many will grow cold, that word their love is not phileo. It's not the brotherly love. That love there is agape. The supernatural love of God, which is only in the hearts of believers. So he's addressing believers here. He's not addressing the world. He's saying, this is the church. He's saying, church, wake up. Offenses will come. And we've got to guard our hearts and protect our hearts and make sure that we are filled continually with the agape love of God, which is supernatural. Only God's supernatural love enables us to love those that have offended us those that have gotten under our skin, those that irritate us when they walk in the room. It's like, why when that person always does that, it just upsets me. But it's those moments in which the agape love of God is to be shed abroad in our hearts for those that are challenging in our minds to love. The dangers of harboring an offense Matthew 24, 10 says this, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. So let's look at this verse. When we allow an offense to remain in our hearts, it, it can have spiritual consequences to it. If you look closely, there's a progression that takes place. The offense leads to betrayal. Betrayal leads to hatred. And then finally, cold love. In the book, The Bait of Satan, John Bevere, he states that betrayal in the kingdom of God comes when a believer seeks his own benefit over protection 
at the expense of another believer. You're protecting yourself. Betrayal then leads to hatred, which obviously we know has serious consequences. 1 John 3.15 says this, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. There's a quick erosion of where an offense can take someone's heart. In Matthew 18, 7, Jesus makes it really clear in Matthew 18, 7, that offenses will come. Offenses are going to come. But it's how we respond to the offenses is where things matter the most. So why are we to love those that irritate us? That's the question. Why are we to love those that just kind of seem to continually get under our skin? It's because that our love does not grow cold. You know, the outcome is not, it's not so much affecting those outside it's subtly affecting you on the inside. And your love just grows cold. So how does our heart react to an offense? I don't, it, I don't think there's any real rocket science to this. Proverbs 18, 19 says this. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. So, back in the biblical days, what does a strong city have around it? Fortified walls. Fortified walls, and why are they there? Well, they're there to keep the enemies out and from unwelcome people in. They're, they're around for the protection of a people. Likewise, when we get offended, what do we do? We erect walls around our hearts. Because we're like, you know what? I'm not going to let that happen again. You got too close to my heart and I got hurt. So I'm just going to go ahead and put up this nice wall around my heart so I can determine who's going to come into my heart and who's not. We begin to be selective. We guard our rights, our personal relationships real carefully. And our energy is consumed with making sure no future injuries will occur. So we have a fortified wall around our hearts. But you know what scripture says? Love doesn't seek its own. Love does not seek its own. But hurt people become very protective, self-seeking. And it's in this climate of this wall around your heart is where the love of many grows cold. So how do we protect our hearts from offenses? Well, the first thing is this, if you're taking notes. Walk in love. Ephesians 5.1 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. 
We are to walk in love. Walking in love has the ability to displace an offense in your heart. When you're able to walk in the agape love of God, it pushes out and is able to forgive and it's able to let go. You know, the, I think the most difficult thing is just letting go of it. Letting go of the offense. Don't let it stick on you. Let it go. You know, I, w- I was thinking this morning, I have been pastoring now full-time for 24 years. I thought, wow, just time flies by when you're having fun. And, and, and you know, I, I think, Lindy, you could probably attest to this. How many years were you a pastor? Ninety years? No, <laughs> A lot. It was a lot. I know I was in 30 and 40 years. But in, in all those years, you know, it's not so much the things that are said that hurt. It's that there's a lot of people that come and go. And the most hurtful thing is that, you know, we're not just a business. This isn't just a a uh, a business corporation where people just come and go and you hire and fire and you're no longer, you know, usable, get out of here. Come on, we need a new recruit. Hey, let's get them youngins in here. Let's let them do the work. You know, I mean, it's just, you just, it's like, well, there's no heart to that. But the truth is, is that we're a family. We've been grafted into a family. And, you know, honestly, you all are closer to some of my extended family that I have, cousins and aunts and uncles. I mean, you are closer to me. You're my family. And family lives together, walks together, cries together, laughs together, lives together, does life together. We, we're there when we fall in the ditch, and we're there when we're, when we're shouting on the mountaintops. We're there for one another. And what's so hard sometimes is that when somebody's been with you for so long and all of a sudden they just decide, we're out of here for no good reason. And it's like, all right, my heart is breaking. Do I want to cry? Yeah. And I have, I have a choice in that matter. I have a choice. Am I going to get offended over the fact that somebody just out of the blue decides to leave when they've been with me for 10, 5, 6, 8 years. You know, the body of Christ, unfortunately, acts like a lot of tumbleweed. Tumbleweed in the heart of Kansas. And we really got to go to the next best thing. And unfortunately... Many don't understand that we've been grafted and knitted together. We are stones put together, living stones built. We are, there's so many analogies, but the, but the reality is, is that we all have feelings. We all have emotions, and 
when somebody just, you know, where's, where's, where's Tom and Susie? Where, where'd they go? Well, they just decided to leave. Okay. Ten years down the drain. Right then is when I have a choice. Am I going to get offended? Because I can shut down my heart. Say, I've been there, done that. Got my badge. You know, I've had pastors tell me, you know, sheep bite. Yeah, they can bite, you know. <laughs> and, and I'm not trying to put this on anybody here that might be thinking of leaving. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being real and honest with you, you know. It, it, uh, I can't tell you probably how many conversations Eliza and I have had and just said, you know what, that is just so painful that they're leaving. But we have to bless them release them, and let them go. Because at the end of the day, you aren't my sheep. They're his. I'm just an under-shepherd here assigned on duty as his pastor to do the best I can at loving the sheep while you're with me. And it's a privilege. It is. But it's one in which we all have a choice. I'm sure many of you have those choices too. You know, friends that you've, you've been very close to or people that you're connected with. And, and you know, people just tend to drift away for no apparent reason. Now, there are some excellent reasons for people leaving. You know, I was thinking, you know, Eliza said, uh, I can't wait to go to California and go to the In-N-Out Burger. Woo! I mean, it's the best place. But, you know, it's kind of like a lot of times, you know, church to people is kind of like the In-N-Out Burger. You know, you're, you're in for a little while, and then you're out, you know? I mean, so, so, I've, uh, so in this, it's um, something that we all have a choice to protect ourselves and walk in love. The next thing is this, to guard yourself from getting offended is choose to not get offended. <laughs> I mean, you simply have a choice. I, I mean, if I could tell you some of the things that have been said to me over the years. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm like, you did not just say that to me, did you? Golly. But 2 Corinthians 6.3 says this. Paul says this. Giving no cause for offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited. This is big because some of you are called in the ministry. Some of you have a calling, a great calling on your life to do great things. But Paul is saying the one thing that could bring discredit to the ministry that I've been called to as a minister of the gospel to the Gentiles is getting offended. Offended. Getting offended is the progressive slope downhill where your heart begins to get 
angry. You just, your heart just goes cold. And you know what? When your heart is cold, that's when you make dumb decisions. That's when you make decisions. You have no idea that your decisions are having some terrible ramifications in your life. But when your heart is cold, you're not thinking clearly. You're just out for yourself. You're looking out after yourself. The next thing is simply overlook the mistakes of others. I love this, what it says in Proverbs 17, verse 9. It says this. Love overlooks the mistakes of others. Real simple. But dwelling on the failures of others devastates friendships. Overlook them. How many times have you failed and God picked you up and said, I love you, you're my son, you're my daughter, I don't hold this to you, I know that it's not who you are, you're, 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 you're a work in process. I mean, the love of God has picked us up in so many different situations. How many times God sees the best in us when we're always obviously seeing the worst, but we've got to be intentionally overlooking things in people's lives. Well, people are, well, I got to speak the truth. Well, let's just see how well that goes for you. It needs to be in love. If you're going to say something, say in love. But you know what? You don't always got to say it. I mean, you know, you just say it for the moment, but get all, just get over it. You know, just don't just keep reminding somebody of their faults when you've got a plank in your own eye. Look over the mistakes of others. Don't just sit there and just in your mind rehearse and nurse all that's going on. That word overlook, or in some of your Bibles it says covers, means to fill up hollows. It's like a depression or a cavity. Okay, now how does this work? An offense has the ability to create an impression or a low place in your mind towards another person. They're not as important as they used to be. You're devaluing them a little bit. They're not meeting the standard of what you think. And so in this impression or hollow in your mind is what you need to be filling up with the love of God. You cannot allow this depression, this hollow in your mind that's like, ah, they're, they're not hitting the mark. Yes, Father... Fill my mind with love for them. Lord, let my mind be filled with your love, that there be no depression in my area, no cavities being filled up with wrong thoughts. Fill me up with your love. So we need to, you know, we need to overlook the mistakes of those people that irritate us. You, You guys got anybody in your life that just irritates you? They just get under your skin. 
Well, that's where you need to put it into practice. That is the very place. Those people, I think God sends those people as agents in disguise to work on you. And you think you're the better one. You know it all. You have it all together. And actually, God's saying, "Mm -hmm. let's just see how this goes. But we are to fill up those hollow areas with the love of God so that you not be snared by the devil. Next, we are to love God's word above our feelings. Psalm 119, verse 165 says this, Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. Ha! If you love God's word, and Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So if you obey his word so much that you, you, you love to see it fulfilled in your life and you're walking out the love of God in a way that is showing, that is pleasing unto the Lord. You can protect your heart from getting offended. Because all of a sudden, that one person that you thought was a really awesome person has all of a sudden become your enemy. Well, what does the word say? Love your enemies. We don't really have a choice into not loving people. We can't select and choose who we're going to love. God allows all the unlovables to seemingly come around you. And it's like, I mean, come on, God. Can't there be some uh, lovables and all these unlovables? I mean, it's like, but he will selectively choose those that are so difficult because he is working in you everything for good he's working perfection in you he's bringing about the beauty of jesus inside of you when you're able to love those that are difficult and annoy you you know there are many ways that um, we can become offended we can compare ourselves with each other like the disciples did man that person They just think they just got it all together. And they just got the ministry together. And they're blowing and going. They just got it all together. Well, the disciples, I always find this so comical, is that the disciples began to argue with one another and get offended with one another because they were were comparing one another who is the greatest. They were like, Oh, Peter, I'm the greatest. No, John, I'm the greatest. I'm like, what an argument, you know? I mean, wouldn't it be funny if we had that argument here? You know, all of a sudden, you know, someone could say, no, I think I'm great. No, I'm greater. And Jesus is like, come on, you guys. But we compare ourselves, you know? We we just kind of like measure each other. You know know when you get, have you ever met somebody and you're just kind of measuring them up? Like, what are they made of? And like, are they smart? Are they, are they what? Or, you know, you're just kind of measuring them up, and you're comparing yourself. Another way that we can become offended is that the way that money is being spent or how it's being earned or whatever. I mean, listen, Judas got upset, and it says, Scripture says he got offended with Jesus because he allowed this precious woman 
to break open this, this, this costly perfume and anoint him. And Judas gets offended. He says, you know what, Jesus? That's like a whole year's worth of wages, and it could have been spent on the poor. Like he really wanted to spend it on the poor. But we can get offended by, you know, our wife is spending our money. No, it does just it just it can be many ways. So, um, having unreasonable expectations on each other. You know, there are things in which uh, can happen that we actually are beginning to expect others to meet needs in our lives that we were never met to meet. We can actually expect people. You're going to be my best friend? And, and they can't be your best friend. Because God wants you to be a friend with so many people. And it might be that you feel insecure and you want that person to, to, to meet this need of insecurity with you. And we have such high expectations on people that they're going to perform for us and be this certain way in our lives. And they just can't be that way. And so in that, the expectations we put on people, when they're not met, we can get offended. You know, the disciples had a high expectation on Jesus. Why? They were expecting him to restore the kingdom of of Israel, that he was going to bring it all together and establish the kingdom of God in Israel. They thought that's what was going to happen with the Messiah. Well, Matthew 26, verse 31 says this. Then saith Jesus, is in, in the King James Version, unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me, this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. They got offended when Jesus was arrested and beaten and bruised. He was, they were offended that he was hanging on to life. They were offended at this whole occasion. And it says, and they scattered. Why? Jesus, that's not what you're supposed to be doing right now, is letting them beat you to a pulp. You're supposed to be restoring the kingdom of Israel. Offenses are many. And how we treat one another can bring a great offense to each other. How we treat one another. We must learn. Because as the days are drawing near for the return of Christ. We have got to live offense free. Because the offenses are going to be many. And we have a choice. Do we want to get offended? over how things have been going on in our lives. Are we going to get offended with God? 
or we're going to get offended with others. But the issue is we can't take the bait, which is the bait of Satan, which is entraps us, ensnares us. It puts a hook in us. And our, our commitment, my commitment before the Lord, is to make sure on a regular basis I'm doing a heart check. Do you know a lot of times when I've gotten offended in life, I don't realize that I've gotten offended until weeks afterwards. It's like, because our hearts are kind of deceitfully wicked. We, we don't always know when we've gotten offended. It's a really sly little thing that happens. But all of a sudden, over time, our hearts are getting colder. We're getting a little more distant. We don't want to be around them. Um, but I had to do a spiritual check to make sure that I've not gotten offended with God or anyone else. Acts 24, verse 16, in the New King James Version, says this. Paul says this. See, Paul is making his defense before the judge, before the uh, Felix. And this being so, he said, I myself always strive to have a conscious without offense toward God and men. He's saying, I am striving and always consciously aware, am I offended with God in any way or with men? This is vital. Paul, at the, at the last weeks of his life, as he's before the judge, before he was being sent to Rome, He's saying, he's standing before the people, before the judge, and he's saying, I am, I am, I am asking now that I be offense free. I have no offense with anybody. I believe with all of my heart we need to strive towards living offense free and be at peace with all men and with God until the Lord's return. I believe this is the way in which we are to walk out our lives on this earth. Honoring one another, loving one another, overlooking things in people's lives. We are to walk a lives that our hearts are full of love. And in that, as we walk out our lives, we can love one another as Christ has loved us. You know, I truly am able to love one another because at one time I was so lost and so low and so depressed and I had no hope and he loved me at the very lowest moment in my life and he breathed life into me. And the very same love that was shown to me is the very love that I need to give away. And that's how we need to be towards each other. Amen? Can we all strive and make a commitment to God to living offense-free in life? I believe it's imperative. I believe it is critical. 
I believe it is essential before the return of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.